In the Lord's ministry, the religious leaders were constantly challenging him and debating with him and arguing with him and eventually crucifying him. What was the main thing they didn't like about what he said? Yes, that he was God. That was it, the, de the, de the deity. <laughs> and uh, he's part of the Trinity, that he was God. No, they wouldn't have that. And I think as we read the scriptures this morning, as we go Old and New Testament, Lord willing, you'll see that they should have understood from their Bible, the Old Testament, that he could have been God. He was God. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> Lord willing, we'll look at that. We've looked at the omnipotence of God for two weeks in our series, and now we go on to the Trinity, moving from the attributes, looking at the, the Trinity. The doctrine of the Trinity. It was hotly debated in the early church. You see, Judaizers had got in and they were shifting things around and false teachers had arisen. They were causing havoc in the church. <clears throat> and there was the doctrinal debate of the, about the Trinity. Is, it, is the Lord the, who he claimed to be, God the Son? And it was at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD, 325 AD. So that's some years, almost 300 years, that there was a big council held there. And the issue was, is Christ fully God? <clears throat> was he a created subordinate being to the Father? Arius, who was saying, no, he is not God. He's He's only God, the uh, Father was eternal, he said. <clears throat> the Son had a beginning at the first, and he was the highest of created beings. Who teaches that? We call him a cult today in our society. Very clearly, the Jehovah's Witness. They don't believe that the Lord has an eternal existence. What hope have they got? No hope. No hope of eternal life if they say that Jesus was not God. Arius was the one that was pushing this in that day, 325. Um, <clears throat> the Son is not one in essence with the Father, he said. Christ, he said, is subordinate to the Father. He is called God as an honorific title. So that's what he said. Benenethius Christ, he stood on the other side. He said that Christ is co-eternal with the Father. He stood for the Trinity. He stood for the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they, at that council, said, yes, he is God. But after that, they didn't all follow that. In fact, those that didn't believe that the Lord Jesus was God eternal grew in number. And then in 381... The Council of Constantinople happened. And there they were debating the fact that is the Holy Spirit God? Is he God? Do you believe that? I, I, I trust you do. He is God eternally, forever. And uh, <clears throat> so that was decided there at the church. Now, the people that were deciding and debating and that we mightn't have to do with today, but they come to the right conclusions <laughs> on both of these occasions. And that was written into 
into church history. Let's pray and ask the Lord to guide us as we think particularly about the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it tells us what the truth is. We don't have to debate or think or argue with people. We just state the truth of your word. And the Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour, is eternal. He is God the Son. He has always existed. Thank you for that. Lord, and I pray as we rest our salvation, as Peter, as we read this morning in verse 2, declared our salvation depends on the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Each one has a part. And thank you for that, Lord. And continues to have a part as we grow as Christians and on into eternity. And Heavenly Father, when we see you and the Son and the Spirit in eternity, Lord, what a revelation it's going to be as we behold our wonderful God. Minister to our hearts today and help us to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> so, the doctrine of the Trinity. Get myself sorted here. The doctrine of the Trinity debated, we've looked, mentioned the two big occasions and it is continued to debate. It was debated in the Lord's day, as we said. The Pharisees did not believe that. And when he said, when the Lord Jesus said he was God and claimed himself to be equal with God, that's when they really got upset. They took up stones on occasions to stone him. The biblical description of the Trinity, secondly. Now I'm going to say, make a statement. You say, well, you're just denying what all you, you said. God is one. How many gods are there? We've looked at this a little bit. We've mentioned some of the theories, but polytheism, what does poly mean? Many. Some believe that. There are many gods. Tritheism. Tri you have a tricycle, you have how many wheels? You have three gods, they believe. Three distinct gods. Dualism. You have dual wheels on a truck, you've got two. <laughs> some believe... There are two gods, one evil and one good. In the, Bible, in the Bible, as Christians, we understand there's a god of this world, Satan, that there is God. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but not as they believe. Um, <clears throat> the Bible teaches there is only one true God. The Jews believe this vehemently. <laughs> Listen to the following statements from Scripture in relation to that there is one God. Deuteronomy 4.34 Unto thee it was showed that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God. There is none else beside him. In Deuteronomy 6.4, and this is a very clear one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. In Isaiah 44.6 Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord Jesus, the Lord, <laughs> Lord Jesus, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Amen. Isaiah 45, verse 5 and 21. I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I gird thee, though thou hast not known me. Tell ye, and bring Bring them near, yea, let them take counsel together, who hath declared this from the ancient time, who hath told it from that time, have not I the Lord, 
and there is no God else beside me. A just God and a Saviour, there is none beside me. In 1 Corinthians, in the New Testament, chapter 8 and verse 4, As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered to, in sacrifice to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and there is none other God but one. Uh, very clearly spelled out, one. <laughs> in Titus, uh, Timothy, 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one God and one mediator between man between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. In James 2.19, Thou believest there is one God, thou dost well. The devils also believe and tremble. So through that it shows us there is one God in the scripture. What do we call the religions and how many are, of them are there that believe in one God? We call them monotheistic religions. What religions are they that believe there is one God? Christianity. <laughs> Islam. And Judaism. And so that's the three groups in the world. And you start adding those up as far as population is concerned, that's a big part of the world's population, if you can say these are truly part of... Uh, churches, They're not all part of true churches, that's for sure, all, all, all meeting groups, we can say that, because they have a different one God than what we have. As I've said, at other times it does seem illogical to say there are many gods, many supreme gods, because you have to take the word supreme out if there are many gods that are supreme, because there can only be one supreme God, can't there? <laughs> only one. Because the others aren't supreme if they're over him. There's only one supreme being. You can't have two. Uh, <clears throat> this is very important to understand. We need to know the truth of the word and follow it and obey it in all that it says about our God. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 and 5 that we read a little bit earlier is really important. Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Why are we to hold to one true God? <laughs> if we had many gods, our allegiance would be split, wouldn't it? Who made or quoted that verse when he was challenged by the Pharisees, the Lord Jesus. What is the greatest and most important commandment? The Lord God. The Lord is one Lord and you're to love him with all your heart. How can you love many gods? It'd be like the polygamist, many wives. How could you love the wife about one above the other? Ask Jacob. And uh, that's what happened in his life and, and the, the, the strife that was there. The Lord demands exclusive affection since he is one. We are to love him with all of our hearts. So we've established the fact from scripture and just looking at history that God is one. But now we're going to say God is three in one. God is three in one. You probably you understand if you've been around here long enough or around reading the Bible 
that, uh, what that means. You believe there is only one true God? But what would you say if someone were to ask you these sort of questions? Do you believe God the Father is God? You would say? And then they would ask you, do you believe that Jesus Christ is God? And you would say? And do you believe the Holy Spirit is God? What would you say? Yes. Yes. But haven't you just said there's one God and now you're just saying there's three gods? (laughs) And the response of Christians throughout the centuries to questions as this has been the statement of the doctrine of the Trinity. And what does the word Trinity mean? It comes from the Latin word Trinitus, which means threeness. And where do we find the word Trinity in the Bible? It must be there. I mean, if we believe it and it's so true and it's such a pertinent doctrine, it's not there. It's not in the Bible. The word word Trinity is not in the Bible. Um, Then how can we say that the doctrine of the Trinity is a biblical doctrine? And this is what we're going to establish this morning as we go through quite a few verses. Even though the the word Trinity is not found there, the concept that it represent, represents is found everywhere, both Old and New Testament. There are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the person of the Father, the person of the Son, and the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, some people say, well, the Spirit is an influence. No, he's a person. How do you know he's a person? Because the Scriptures say that he can be grieved. You know, and he, be, he can be quenched. Verses like that in the New Testament tell us that he is a person, just as the Father and the Son are. So God is one. He is one person, but there are three persons. He is one in the Trinity, but he is three persons. Very important that we believe this. There's a threeness. Um, <clears throat> what... Some have said instead of using the word Trinity, the word triunity more points to the truth of this, the Trinity. Triunity. There is threeness, tri, and unity, oneness in the Godhead. How can they all be God? You know, (laughs) yourself. In the New Testament, in the book of Thessalonians, it tells us we are beings that are I can see a lot of them here today body soul and spirit a tripartite being we are all functions together sometimes against each other some people have tried to illustrate the trinity with different illustrations and you've probably heard of some you know the the egg there's the shell there's the white and there's yolk it's but it's an egg others have, have used like water Water, ice, and steam, the three parts, but it's, it's water. And other ones that I've heard, a clover leaf is a clover, but it's got three heads on it, somehow four. <laughs> but <clears throat> using all these illustrations break down when trying to explain the omnipotent, supreme God. Let's look at the Old Testament indications of the Trinity. Genesis... 1 and verse 5. A lot of these I'll just quote because there's a lot of verses. It's seen in the use of the word one. There's two words and I put them up for you to look at on 
on the telegram. Two words for one in Hebrew, ekhod, E-C-H-A-D, and yakid, two words that means one in the Hebrew. Echod is a collective one. Get that? Echod is a collective one. The second one, Yakid, is a single one. Now, Andrew, you can check me out. Oh, he knows it. <laughs> he, he can, they use those in Hebrew. Echod, collective one. Genesis 1, 5. Morning and evening are one. Wait a minute, there was two. Morning and evening are one, collective one, combined as one. Numbers 13.23, it says a cluster of grapes. You know what that means, we've got a bunch of grapes. But it's one, but it's many. Echod. Um, is Ezra 2 verse 64, the whole congregation together. Echod. There was 42,360 of them. <laughs> They're one, talking of Israel. Jeremiah 32, verse 38 and 39. Israel be give, will be given one heart and one way to walk. Though they consist of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, they are, are, are a combined one in those references. Now the other word for one in Hebrew is yakid, a singular one. Abraham Abraham had only one son, Genesis 22 and verse 2. It's described a single unit, not a bunch, not a collective. Proverbs 4 verse 3. I was my mother's only son. One exclusive. Psalm 22, 20. Deliver my darling or only beloved, as it says there. One. It's only one. Judges 11:34. <clears throat> only child. Only child, one. Yaqid. And Jeremiah six twenty-six, the only son, it refers to there. Uh, <clears throat> every time one is used in connection with God in the Old Testament, and this is hey, if any Hebrew people are listening, you can you know the your language, check it out. Every time one is used in connection with God, Echod, a collective one, is used in the Old Testament. Uh, not Yaqid, that is just one singular. And Deuteronomy, again, we read that verse. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Which Hebrew word do you think is used there? As I'm, you've given, I've given it away already. Echot, a collective one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. <clears throat> it's seen, yes, in the use of the Hebrew word one, the Trinity. But it's also seen in the plural name for God. The second proof of the Trinity in the Old Testament. And I remember this very plainly, and I've said it before, when we were in Israel and the headwaters of the Jordan and talking, well, meta a Hebrew family coming the other way, a Jewish family. There was about three kids and mum and dad. <clears throat> and Andrew steps in front of them as they're walking and hands them a track. <clears throat> and then they realise what it's on and dad gets very upset. 
And Andrew is using the word Elohim. In the Hebrew, that is plural for God. <clears throat> and Dad got angry, and the mid-teenage son, he's pricking up his ears. You could see, I could see he was thinking. I couldn't understand what they were talking about. But I could see <laughs> he's thinking. And it, the Lord had him, we went down paths, and there's paths everywhere in trees. And three times we come across, upon that family. <laughs> and three times they allow him. <laughs> allow him. You see, the Jews believe in one God, but a collective one they don't get. That their own Bible says, if God wants to use a singular of himself, it's L-E-L, -E not Elohim. A plural name for God. Exodus 20, tw 2 and 3. I am the Lord God, Elohim. Thou shalt have no other gods, Elohim. You see, false gods have given that name in the plural collective there. Elohim, before me. No other gods before. And God and other gods, Elohim. And both are collective. Or one is a collective one. The others are many of Elohim. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4 that we've quoted several times here. O Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord. And that's what the Pharisees were on about against the Lord Jesus Christ when he claimed to be God. There only is one God. How can you claim to be God? How can you call him your father? And the things that they, they came up with. Elohim is used 2,500 times in the Old Testament. Well, El, the singular form, is only used 200 times in the Old Testament. Many of the uses of Elohim, as we've already seen, can refer to gods with a little g. Uh, the gods of other nations. Elohim is a generic term referring to the subject of God and can refer to either false gods or the true God, the one and only God. The Yahweh or Jehovah, as the Jews would call him. Uh, <clears throat> God is seen, again, not only in this, but in another way, as being plural in the Old Testament, as being more than one. He is one God, but he in three persons. In the use of a little word called us. Us. If I said us, uh, uh, put it in a sentence for me. <laughs> You're referring just to you or to us? They could have said us, we. We went to camp. And in the Old Testament, the word us is used. Genesis 1 and 26. This is three situations or three ways in which in the Old Testament the Trinity is given. And God said, let us make man in our own image who's the us if there was only God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and all of them had a part in creation and that, that's proven as you go through the New Testament and Old Testament as well in our likeness let us make him and our likeness body, soul and spirit we are a triparted being as well and when we put off the body our soul and spirit are in heaven, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Genesis 11, verse 7, it reads, And the Lord said, 
Let us go down. This is the time of the Tower of Babel, recall. And there confound their languages that they may not be able to understand one another's speech. Let us go down. Who's up there? <laughs> In heaven. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Let us go down. You know, why won't the Jews get it? One day it will, <laughs> it will fall. It'll, they will understand that Jesus is their Messiah. And maybe, you know, you know, now who's listening in today? That they might come to know the Lord Jesus. What a wonderful thing it would be. And then in Isaiah 6 and verse 8, where the, Isaiah saw the vision of the Lord, remember, on that occasion, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for? <laughs> Thanks, John. He said, me. No, it's us. It's us there again. So you see, and then and, and Jeremiah, I mean, Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord, send me. Who will go for us? Isn't the same cry? We can make a lot of applications of the Trinity to us today. Whom shall I send and who will go? Who will go out and tell the unsafe people about the Lord. So that's the Old Testament indications of the Trinity, biblical descriptions of the Trinity. God is one, God is three in one, the Old Testament indications, now the New Testament indications of the Trinity. <clears throat> now we're moving very fast to get it done in a day, so it's all in one, in a package. And while the doctrine of the Trinity is hinted at in the Old Testament, it's plainly seen in the New Testament. In the reading we did this morning is one of them. All three persons of the Trinity are called God. The following verses. Romans 1 verse 7. See who you can pick who is called God in this verse. Romans 1 7. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It said, God the Father. Clearly declaring, and I don't think any debate about that, that God is, God the Father is God. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 8, the Son is called God. And it says, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is for ever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. So, Unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God. There in the New Testament, Jesus Christ is declared to be God very plainly and in many other references. In Acts chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, we have this. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? So who are we talking about? The Holy Ghost, that lie to the Holy Ghost. And to keep back a part of the price of the land. While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. You see, he said, Holy Spirit, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And the end of the, the next verse, you've lied to God. So clearly declaring that the Holy Spirit is God as well. So all three persons of the Trinity, they are involved in our salvation. In that reading we had this morning in Peter, chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, 
You can pick the Trinity very easily. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Who? The Father. Through sanctification of the... Who's the next person of the Godhead mentioned there? The Spirit. Unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So you have the three that are mentioned there. <coughs> One planned it, God the Father, the foreknowledge of God. One provided for the price for our redemption, the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The sprinkling, obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And one performed it in our lives. When we get saved, it's the Holy Spirit of God that comes and convicts us of our sin, of sin, righteousness and judgment to come. And we respond, I hope and said, yes, I believe. Yes, you have provided the way. I cannot pay for salvation myself. It's only through the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Godhead is seen in planning it, providing for it and performing it. In our life. Did you know that that was so when you believed on the Lord Jesus? No. <laughs> we knew the name God. We may have known, well, we knew the name the Lord Jesus, but we didn't know the Trinity was involved in our salvation and having us to be born again and becoming a child of God. Wonderful truth. Now, <clears throat> let's look at some Old Testament and New Testament indications of the Trinity. We've seen the Old Testament, we've seen New Testament, now combined ones. In creation. Who created the world? Well, let's listen to some of these verses. We should know the, the beginning verse of the whole Bible. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The Father. In John 1 verse 3... All things, and speaking about the word that became flesh, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And who was it? The Lord Jesus Christ. He made all things. So wait a minute, God made all things. Well, they're one. And they're all involved in the creation. In Job 33, verse 4, Spirit, the Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. The Spirit of God hath made me. So there you see the God, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit were involved in creation. And let's go to the incarnation of the Lord Jesus. This is one verse. This is in Luke 1.35, which reads, And the angel answered and said unto her, unto Mary, The Holy Ghost, third person of the Trinity, shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest, God the Father, shall overshadow thee, Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The three persons of the Trinity in, involved in the incarnation, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Matthew, Matthew chapter, and I've written all these down because there's lots of them. Matthew 3, verse 16 and 17, this is the baptism of the Lord Jesus. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went straightway out of the water... So you have the Lord Jesus, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning upon him, and a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, the New Testament leaves no doubt about the Trinity, but how could 
the, well, church fathers, I don't like using that term, <laughs> those that were alive when the church started and for a few hundred years miss the point. Probably because they had a preconceived idea. If you're a Jehovah's Witness and a witness and testified to by a Bible-believing Christian, you're going to find it a real struggle to switch, <laughs> to say that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God. He always has existed. He's part of the Trinity. <clears throat> the atonement in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14, all in one verse here. How much more shall the blood of Christ, God the Son, who through the eternal Spirit, the Holy Spirit offered himself without spot to God, the Father. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. That's Hebrews 9 and verse 14. Christ's resurrection in Acts chapter 2, and we go to three different verses for this. Acts chapter 2 and verse 32, we read there, This Jesus hath raised up, hath God raised up, sorry, wherefore we are all witnesses. God the Father raised up the Lord Jesus, it says in Acts 2.32. And in John's Gospel, chapter 10 and verse 17 and 18, we read there, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power... Jesus said to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. And so there the Son is involved in the resurrection. I can lay it down, I can take it up. In Acts 2.32, it's the Father that's mentioned. And in Romans 1 verse 4, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit. Oh, there it is. <laughs> I thought I didn't have it. <laughs> by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, by, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of, from the dead. And so there it speaks about the spirit being involved in the resurrection of the Son of God. Salvation, as we pointed out, Father, Son and Holy Spirit in First Peter 1 and there's many other verses that you can go to to find that the Father, Son and Holy Spirit are involved in your salvation. The Father planned it. The Son provided, shed his precious blood, and the Holy Spirit performs that in our life at time in history when we're born, or when we are born again at that time. The Great Commission, Here's, here it is in one verse. In the last chapter, in the last verses of the book of Matthew, it says in Matthew 28, 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them, and you hear it at baptisms, in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's as plain as you can get <laughs> the Trinity mentioned right there, the deity of each. Um, <clears throat> there is one that we considered on Wednesday night, First John 5 and verse 7. And Brother John, he raised a, a problem with this. This is a debated passage. Is, is it in the old texts and things like that? Where we say yes and we went through. And there it says, as in Matthew 28, 19, Father, Son and Holy Spirit are mentioned there. In prayer, in Ephesians 2 and verse 18, for through him, that is Christ, 
we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Three persons of the Trinity mentioned there in that verse when we pray. We pray to the Father through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I finished praying and opening this, this, the sermon this morning, I didn't say that. And I, oh, I was too late. I'd said amen. But we pray to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ through the Spirit. And you, you read in Romans chapter 8 there where as Christians when we pray, well, I'll, I'll turn to that. I've got it marked here. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmity, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he searches the heart, and he knows what's in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You see, when you pray, you can't put it in words. What you want to express to God, the Holy Spirit knows your heart and can take that to the very presence of God and present it as an audible thing to, to the Father to understand. And we pray in Jesus' name. <clears throat> now, the believer's duty to obey each person of the Trinity is, is important, isn't it? In prayer, we go to the Father and pray that his will would be done. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It, through the Son, we obey what he has given us in the sacrifice he provided for us. In first, Second Thessalonians 1 verse 8, those that obey not the gospel. We obey the person of the Son when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We follow in obedience as Christians when we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit to the Lord God. <clears throat> and we please the Father. The prayer in Matthew chapter 6, Our Father who art in heaven. How is it when your children don't talk to you? There's been a tiff. Something happened. Usually the children don't want to obey. And that's what's the cause of it. Um, <clears throat> and you're not on speaking terms. How much communication happens? None. When we are out of sorts with the Lord, we don't feel like praying. And we don't pray. But God wants us to pray to him. He wants to hear our request. And just simply put, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, we need to obey as we walk in our Christian walk. The Trinity, how important is it? Is it important that I believe on it? That God is one, but God is three persons. There's three persons in the Trinity. It's absolutely important. That's the big debate of the Gospels. And we haven't even gone there this morning. But we must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Otherwise, we're not going to heaven. And the Jewish nation has to come to the point to recognise that Jesus is God, the eternal God. They haven't. The pressure's on them, and the pressure's going to increase by God with all that's happening there until they're put under the hammer so heavy that they look upon him whom they have pierced and mourn for him as one mourns for his only child. 
What about you? What pressure does God have to bring into your life for you to recognize that Jesus Christ shed his precious blood for your salvation? You have to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in due time he will exalt you. We have to humble ourselves and say, I can't provide for my salvation. I can't make it my, my, on my own. It's God, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit that's, that's involved in my salvation. Trust the Lord. Believe he is, he is who he declared to be in and throughout scriptures. That's probably as brief as you'll get. A study on the Trinity. But it's important. A very important one. It sums up our looking at the doctrine of God in our studies thus far. Now we go to other doctrines, Lord willing, as we move on. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your son has been sent to pay for our sins and providing himself a sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit comes and knocks on our door and our heart and our mind and convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment and we are urged to flee to the cross and pray to the Father, saying, Lord, I am a sinner, humbling ourselves under the hand of God. I pray, Lord, if there's someone here today that has not humbled themselves under the mighty hand of God and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, through the conviction of the Spirit, may they today do that, listening in or present. Thank you for all these things and thank you for this truth. And one day soon we will see you face to face. And what a revelation and what a beholding it will be. Thank you for these things. Lead us to you, draw us to you. May we walk in your way at all times, obeying the leading and direction of your word through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.